4: Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, Deputy Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, joined as always by one mystery, oh, one Mr. Jeffrey (laughs) David Benedict, adding to the name uh, tonight, uh, changing up. How are you doing tonight, Jeffrey? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Nice. And the special guests are back. We're getting into uh, the thick of draft season from Roll, Bama, Roll, Brent Taylor. Brent, how are you doing tonight, sir?
2: Hey, well, if I can be just as mysterious as Jeff was, then I'm I'm doing good.
0: (laughs) that's kind of one of my things, you know, uh, the, the verbal slips, uh, how long says about two weeks ago, I just had the worst sign off ever. I, I didn't know what to say. So we're working on it. It's a work in
2: progress. This, um, yeah. So we're, we're, we're done here. I'm out.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? I wouldn't blame you. I, I probably shouldn't have, uh, divulged that information, but we'll, we'll keep powering through. We'll keep, we'll get there. But, uh, Speaking of Alabama prospects, of course, the the Steelers and really both programs coming into this draft, they're tied together in so many spots. Seems like all the needs the Steelers have, the Alabama Crimson Tide are shooting a ton of prospects into the NFL ranks, as they always do, but it seems like they have 22 guys year in and year out going to the league, but uh, specifically Mac Jones right now, Brent, uh, he is someone that is... uh, Obviously, shooting up the the draft board ranks. Where does he kind of rank in, in the the previous year compared to the previous quarterbacks uh, of the Alabama Crimson Tide?
2: Where would you rank Mac Jones to uh, just the guys of the past? So I, I think uh, I, I'd still put him behind Tua Tagovailoa, just in terms of pure arm talent, physical abilities, and it, you know, Tua we, we've always known he's going to be a high ceiling. Prospect with a good chance of busting. He's just, you know, he's he's kind of got that Brett Favre mentality. We're going for it, balls to the wall. Let's see what happens. Uh, so you, you know, and he he may not pan out for the Dolphins. We'll we'll see. Mac Mac's a good bit safer, I think. Uh, the ceiling is not as high. He he's gotten a lot of the whole the the Tom Brady comparisons that everyone loves, right? Uh, it, you know, he takes the pictures of the dad bod and. Um, uh, does, doesn't really show up athletically, but man, he just keeps making throws. And the, the coolest thing about Mac Jones is there, there's how, how well he stays within an offense and stays patient. So you'll, you'll see a lot of quarterbacks like, Hey, they get pressured. They start making rush throws. Max like, nah, blitz me. I'm throwing to the guy I always wanted to throw to. You blitz me from that side. I'm throwing to that side. You blitz me from that side. I'm throwing right over you. Uh. So I I think compared – I mean, Alabama's not really had a whole lot of quarterbacks in the Saban era. Uh, You know, there was A.J. McCarron, I guess. Yeah. Uh, And then Tua, and that's really been about it. So I'd put – I'd still put Mac a little behind where Tua was if you're talking just pure raw potential. But he's well ahead of the rest of the crew. Jeffrey? Okay,
1: um, you have a ton of offensive linemen coming out, right? Uh, there's a lot of focus here because the Steelers need tackles and they need center. Uh, you got two big, you know, two main starters coming off and one a center, one a tackle. But I have a question for you is, because uh, you got Leatherwood coming out of tackle, is he was he even the best tackle on Alabama last year?
2: No, the the wrong guy won the Outland Trophy. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: <I> watching <laughs> so, film, I was like, wait, wait you, the you, other side.
2: You, your your eyes kind of keep going to the right, like, dude, what's this mountain of a dude on the right side doing that just never gets beat? Yeah, but yeah, that that's Evan Neal. He's only a sophomore, so you got to wait a year. Yeah, uh, but you know, Alex Leatherwood was a very good left tackle. I, I would not put him in the same conversation as some of the uh, previous Alabama left tackles, even like Cam Robinson, or honestly, even Cyrus Quanjo. Uh, Jonah Williams was another one. I, I'd drop Alex Leatherwood a little behind all of those guys. He he was a very good left tackle, but he he had his struggles with a lot of particularly stunts and picking up. Uh, kind of delayed blitzes is where he, he he missed quite a few here and there uh, now Alex Leatherwood I will say as a freshman played right guard freshman I think he started their sophomore year as well or I, I may be mixing up my years but honestly he was a great guard and still a very good tackle so that that that's kind of where I'd look at him there Uh and, yeah, right tackle Evan Neal was awesome. And center Landon Dickerson, if you're picking an offensive lineman from Alabama this year, that's where you got to go.
0: Yeah, and that, that kind of leads me into my next question. Of course, uh, Alex Leatherwood, you kind of see him through the draft process. He started off really high in, in the ranks of of prospects, really, and he's gradually slipped over time, uh, now kind of seem, seeming more like a day-two pick more than anything. Landon Dickerson, like you said, really interesting with him because it lasts really four seasons. He, he's been a starter all four years, not not all of which being at Alabama, but all those seasons ending with injury. Now, do you think if, if Dickerson had been healthy throughout his entire college career, would this guy be a surefire day one pick?
2: I think he is anyway. Uh, I I still think he's going to be a at least top end of the first round uh, spot in the draft. But yeah, the, the injury history is a problem. He's had multiple ACLs. Uh, I mean, hey, guys recover from ACLs better than ever. It, it's not like it's an Achilles or something like that. That really, that's what wreck, wrecks people these days. But yeah, yeah the mul- multiple knee injuries has been a problem. Uh, and that's honestly the only thing that would, prevent me from saying, hey, he's a top 15 draft type of player. Uh, just in terms of pure strength, I mean, he he's one of the strongest guys on Alabama's team. In terms of attitude and personality, he is he's the leader. He's a lot of fun. I mean, how many offensive linemen do you see guys on Twitter like Cole Kubelik making highlight reels of a center? Uh, I mean, the dude's just out there pancaking everyone he can find 20 yards down the field. So you, you can't go wrong with him uh people love him he's a he's a fan favorite kind of player
0: now Jeffrey before I let you uh take the next question just continuing on Dickerson he has some elite traits when it comes to size like his arm length his size Uh, have you seen a, a player like him uh coming out of that program before
2: uh, I mean, yeah, it's Alabama. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I hate to sound like that, but yeah, we, we've seen plenty of centers at that 6'5", 3'10", with long arms. Uh, Al- Alabama tends to recruit basically all offensive tackles out of high school and then move them inside as need be. It, it's just kind of how Nick Saban's always done it. So most guards and centers all wind up 6'4", six, 6'5"-ish six, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we have seen it plenty.
1: <laughs> Must be nice. Must Jeffrey be nice. <laughs> All right. So one of the one of the interesting things I've seen this offseason is kind of where Jalen Waddle and uh the other wide receiver just Devontae lost his, his name. Devonta
0: Smith. Only one a Heisman.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's that?
0: Who's that? But yeah.
1: We've seen we've seen them kind of fluctuate in and who is considered better. And it surprises me because when you look at the stats and when I watch on film, like Devonta Smith really jumps out to me as being like the guy, and then Jalen Waddle is kind of the other guy. You know, he's also really good, but he's not quite there. Um, what What do you take on? A lot of people, I mean, a lot of people have Jalen Waddle going ahead of Devonta Smith. Uh, what's your thoughts on that and those two players?
2: Well, you can go back four years. In 2017, Devontae Smith came in in the same class as Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy. And and in three years ago, or four years ago, who caught the game-winning touchdown as a true freshman in overtime to win a national championship? Devontae Smith. It wasn't any of yep. the other true freshmen. The next year... Uh, he kind of gets a hamstring injury after he was leading the whole crew and receiving gets a hamstring injury, misses a few games, drops behind him in stats. And then that's when Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs started getting all of the press. And, you know, Henry Ruggs had the whole four two six forty 40 or whatever ridiculous number it was. And Jerry Judy gets the highlight juke plays that, it, you know, starts making rounds on Twitter. So twenty. 19 rolls around, and you got the same thing. Jalen Waddle's on the scene now. And Devontae Smith, while he's still leading the team in receptions, yards, touchdowns, important catches, all of the above, is the other three guys that get all of the media hype. Uh, Devontae Smith comes back for a senior season. Rugs and Judy go first round. And now, oh, Waddle's the next big thing. And yeah. instead, uh, Devontae Smith just says, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to actually win the Heisman as a receiver for the first time since 92. Uh, so Larry yeah, Fitzgerald
0: was robbed, but sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Larry,
2: Larry Fitzgerald was absolutely robbed. I'm still mad about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, you know, part of it is he's 175 pounds if you, like, pulled him out of a rainstorm. Uh, And, hey, he's he's a thin guy, but I don't think it matters. I, I really don't. You watch him and you're like, he's more than happy to lower a shoulder and go right into somebody for the first down. He goes up and over people. He outbodies people. He's faster than everyone. I mean, what, what else do you want of a best receiver in the nation? So, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at with that one. Yeah, okay, no those skill positions though my goodness so
0: you, you kick inside someone that's a little bit more likely to end up in Pittsburgh would be Najee Harris of course and uh Doak Walker winner uh who who didn't win an award really <laughs> in that offense that's for right. Alabama but uh uh Najee Harris of course he's got some he also has some elite size for running back uh, his speed might be the the one real knock against him but when you look at Najee compared to some of the running backs that have coming out over recent years, where would you compare him against guys like Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram and Josh Jacobs?
2: Well, yeah, you know, as you guys as uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, you're you've seen Levy on bell. And I, I think that that's a very unique running style. And Najee uh, Harris is fairly similar. He's got that same kind of six two, six three, two thirty 30 pounds. Uh, and he, when he came to Alabama, there's a lot of the immediate comparisons to Derrick Henry. Oh, 6'3, 240, but they have totally, totally different styles. So, whereas Derrick Henry, as big as he is, he's a home run speed threat. Uh, you know, he'll run through someone, but for the most part, you kind of want to get Derrick Henry running out the ta- outside of the tackles, get him in some open field, and nobody's got a chance. Uh, Najee is a lot more of a short yardage uh, and tight, tight spaces. He can make absolutely anyone miss. He's got the really, really choppy feet. He can go around them, over them, through them. Whatever the move is, he can do it. Uh, But uh, early in his career, he had some issues with patience, running into linemen a lot, and being way too quick to kind of backtrack, bounce outside. As he got older, he got a lot better there. Uh, A lot of people don't realize this. He was a kind of four to five-star recruit as a receiver as well in high school. Uh, So the dude can catch. He can move. He's great. Like modern NFL that way. Hey, passing game, running game, whatever. But if you're looking at him as a home run threat, get you 50-yard chunk plays beat people to the sidelines, it, it's not going to happen. So I guess from ranking him and the Alabama backs in the Saban era, Uh you, you know, Derrick Henry's an alien. <laughs> um, so Derek, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, uh, uh, just had a feel for the game that not many running backs have. Trent Richardson, he... Busted bad in the NFL, but as a college back, I've seen nobody better at just plowing through people. So I, I think I'd put Najee fourth, but definitely ahead of Josh Jacobs and Damien Harris, Bo Scarborough, that, and Eddie Lacy.
1: Okay, all right. Um, going to the defensive side, Dylan Moses was going to be like a, the extreme high end of the first round kind of pick uh, before his injury. Uh, can you tell us what you saw after his injury? Do you think this is a player who's could still recover and get back some more? Or do you think he, he's back? I, I, I remember seeing uh, interviews where he was talking about the pain he was going through just even trying to play early in the season. Uh, do you think there's more that he will be coming back even more than he has so far? Or do you think what we saw in 2020 is, you know, what what Dylan Moses is now after that injury?
2: I I think he can get some better than what we saw in 2020. I don't think we're ever going to see the top 10 linebacker that many people thought he would be. Uh, it, you know, if you followed him, Dylan Moses was that dude that made a bunch of rounds and kind of the earlier – days of recruiting, getting into Twitter. Uh, he was that seventh grader that LSU offered a scholarship to. And, made, you know, it made a whole bunch of news then. And the, the reason why, he was a 220, 240-pound guy by, like, freshman year of high school that ran a 4 4 And just, I mean, turned heads. He, he played running back then, but mo- ended up moving to linebacker later in high school. So that's what everybody saw. Like, hey, this dude is, he's big, he's fast, and he's been the best recruit on the planet since seventh grade. And he he came to Alabama. He had a, he kind of played edge rusher a little his freshman year. Actually looked pretty good as an edge rusher, I thought, and then moved to a, a weak side off ball linebacker as a sophomore. And he played well. Uh, His speed definitely flashed a lot. He had some good tackles. uh, Had some issues. First year starter, you're going to miss a lot here and there. And then the injury happened. And when he came back from the injury, everyone says, okay, he's a senior now. He looked pretty good as a sophomore, showed the talent. He's going to be a superstar. Like, ah, slow down there a little bit. Uh, And he... Was honestly the fourth best of the four linebackers for Alabama this year. Uh, and he did improve over the season, but he, he played very tentative all season, did not show the speed he used to have, didn't really ever. what we, you know, you, you catch a lot of instances of there's a big pile at the line of scrimmage and he kind of backs out while everybody else is jumping in. How much of that is, Fear of the injury coming back uh, you, you just don't know
0: now kicking out to outside on that defensive uh, scheme patrick sertan uh another unbelievable year uh where would you see uh him ranking in the kind of hierarchy of those cornerbacks and a lot of people say he's the
2: top guy would you agree with that oh he's up there uh i i've seen especially this season now it His first two seasons, a little rocky here and there, but he showed consistent improvement every season. And, man, this year he was awesome. I think he gave up two. There's really only two moments. There's one against Tennessee on a deep shot and one in the SEC championship against Florida, where I don't know. I think he had a brain fart. He was sitting there in, like, perfect coverage, had the dude boxed out and then just forgot to jump for it. I, I don't know. I No clue on that one. But other than that, the dude was absolutely perfect all season. And the big the biggest difference we saw from freshman year to junior year was his tackling. Uh we kind of ragged on him a good bit as a freshman for pulling out of tackles, letting some other guys do the gang tackling, kind of back away. But by yeah, by his junior year, the dude was Laying some people out, especially he loved the wide receiver screens. Just take out a dude. Uh, so compared to former Alabama corners, D. Milliner's still tough to beat, and he, he's another one that really busted with the Jets, and I didn't expect it. But D. Milliner as a college corner, yeah. and that that dude was special. Minka Fitzpatrick, you guys know Minka, and it's a it's a little different position. He, he played kind of the outside corner, inside corner, safety, moved around, whereas Sertan's an outside corner. So I, I'd still put him behind those two. I'd put him ahead of Drake or Patrick. Definitely ahead of Trayvon Diggs.
0: I, I will say, if, uh, if he's drafted by the Steelers, it, it would be kind of the kiss of death, because uh, when we draft a cornerback, they're usually terrible in the, in the NFL. So uh, <laughs> for his sake, maybe he goes to another team, but... Uh, Jeffrey, do you want to follow that one up? Yeah, we're going to uh, – my personal draft crush,
1: the guy I most want for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, I, I know it's unlikely. I tell people it's unlikely we'll take him because defensive line is not a uh, exactly a big need for the Steelers. But Christian Barmore reminds me of Cameron Hayward and Steph- Stephon it and uh, just how he just wrecks whatever the offense is trying to do. He's just there to destroy it. Uh, Tell us about Christian Barmore.
2: He's been an interesting guy. He's one of those that for two years, every Alabama fan has been like, put Christian Barmore in more. (laughs) And like, especially last year as a, I guess a redshirt freshman last year, every time he'd come in, all of a sudden, like Alabama's defense was not doing great in 2019, at at least compared to usual. Uh, and, yeah, you know, got to <laughs> get that in there. Right. But, it, you know, he, every time he'd come in, all of a sudden he'd just be in the backfield and there's chaos and there's havoc. And you're like, why is he not playing? Or, uh, it, it, it kind of leaked a lot. Like maybe there were, I, I don't know if it was work ethic or academic or what, whatever reason he was in and out of Nick Saban's doghouse. For, for quite a while. And then coming into this season, you're like, okay, now he's finally going to be a full-time starter. And he tweaks his knee like a week before the season starts. Kind of plays, doesn't, but rotates in and out for really the first half of the season. It was mostly ineffective when he was there. And then right through the end, all of a sudden, you could see him. It was that same thing we saw the year before. Like, now he's getting it. Now he's turning it on. Now, every time we see him, he's a 310-pound dude just eating a quarterback. Yeah. So he, he's he been hot and cold. There's not been a consistent production from him. That's always going to make me a little nervous. But, hey, high ce- the, the ceiling is very high. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left with you here, Brent.
0: Um, when we look at these Alabama prospects and – kind of predicting where this draft will kind of wind up and looking at the Steelers 24th pick, let's just say in a world where Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Landon Dickerson are all on the board. Out of those three, who would be your pick?
2: Landon Dickerson. Uh, I, I love Najee, but he's also a running back and yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, Mac Jones would probably be a good pick, especially at 24. I think that's a good value. Uh, and I'm assuming Roethlisberger's on his kind of final <laughs> legs there. I'm not totally <laughs> sure, but. Uh, Same with us. We yeah, got no, yeah, no, no one knows. Nobody knows. knows. <laughs> I don't even know if Ben knows. Yeah. Hmm. So the, the thing with Mac is he is a quarterback that's not going to bret far of his way to a win. Uh, he needs to be in a system with a coordinator that has a lot of a a strong design and an idea for a game plan. Uh, He's not a freelancer. That's for sure. So, but if you want a guy that look 10 years from now is still the rock of a offense, let's go Landon Dickerson. Nice. Any
1: guys that you're looking at from this team uh, that might be slipping later rounds of the draft, undrafted, you know, guys that are are kind of getting overlooked in this process that stand out to you as someone who could really, you know, pull off, be a good contributor, be a good player, be a starter on an NFL team. Any guys stand out to you?
2: So I really like uh, linebacker Josh McMillan. He is a redshirt senior, uh, actually a sixth-year senior, That was a, I think, mechanical engineering, could have been aerospace engineering major, got through college, did a master's of some sort as well, and just kind of stuck it out. And at Alabama, a lot of times, if you're not starting by junior year, most guys transfer. Uh, He didn't. He stayed six years and was in line to start two years ago and tours ACL right before the season. Uh, Never got back in, kind of got passed up by some freshmen, but came back for a sixth year this year. And kind of, he worked as a backup linebacker, but was also a major contributor on special teams, basically every single unit as a punt blocker, punt gunner, kick blocker, kick gunner, all, all of the above. And he started playing some fullback and ended up becoming Alabama's. Uh, short yardage, fullback guy. And I'll tell you what, he was awesome at it. Every time he blocked, he was taking some dude out the back of the end zone. Uh, and he, he He's a guy that had a lot of clout within the team, within the locker room. A lot of guys really liked him. And if you're looking at a seventh round pick, maybe an undrafted free agent, that he's never going to be a starter, but he's a, good sized solid linebacker that could be a backup uh big guy on special teams core special teams guy and hey, play a little fullback and tight end too that'd be a good one to have
0: yeah now as uh, we get to the top of uh the first half hour of the show i, w- I want to ask you brett or Brent? No, excuse me. Name flub. Oh
2: goodness me! That that's just the worst. How do I do that? Hey, I hear it all the time. The Brett or Brent sounds exactly the same to most people, so I never even know the difference. If you mess it up, I won't. I won't even know.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I'll I'll uh, I'll not stay awake up all night thinking that. But uh, anyway, um, when it comes to uh, players that you faced that the Crimson Tide faced this past year, is there anyone that sticks out in mind that you said, "Ooh." That that guy is someone to look out for, and someone that you could see uh, in this uh, in this year's upcoming draft that might make an impact in the in the NFL.
2: I'm gonna go first name top of my head is Ole is Kenny Yaboa. Uh, he was a tight end from where was he at Boston College? Maybe that sounds right. I think it was Boston College. Yeah. Tra- transferred to Ole Miss, and I had no clue who he was. And then he put up like I don't know three hundred something yards or whatever in Alabama. Uh, we could not figure out how to cover the dude, but he's just he's a big tight end with really good speed. Uh, so that, that's one that really stuck out to me for sure.
1: I was actually uh, requested for me to ask you about a tight end from Alabama, uh, Miller Forrestall, okay. who who made a name there as a as a Pretty good blocker. Uh, what do you think? What do you think he brings to an NFL team?
2: So Miller uh, was actually a quarterback in high school, uh, and a fairly good one until he got unseated by a guy named Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> um, yeah, and had, and <laughs> in order to like keep playing football, had to switch positions. So that that's when he became a tight end. And he was actually a really like kind of a six six skinny really athletic tight end uh, he came to Alabama Alabama prefers blocking tight ends so we, we kind of forced him to gain a good bit of size he got it took him a few years I made I made a lot of jokes his first couple of years like hey you throw a screen to his side it's gonna get forest stalled and <laughs>
0: uh,
2: yeah it, it was bad but he <laughs> it, he got better every year at blocking uh, he, he had a Pretty rough injury and gained, gained some more size during that early on. Uh, so by his senior year, he, he was a good, good to very good blocker. Uh, good hands, not much speed to speak of, but if you want to throw the little kind of a 10-yard fade route to a sidelines, he'll probably catch it over the defender, get your first down. Uh, so if you... Uh, A solid number tied in number three or so that can be a good blocker. Maybe a good, maybe sixth or seventh round flyer pick.
0: Okay. Awesome. Now, uh, Jeffrey, do you have any other uh, questions for Brent? That's it for me. All right. Well, uh, we kind of look like uh, we're going to wrap up our time with you, Brent. Thank you so much for joining us. Is there uh, anything you
2: want to plug on your way out? Ah, uh, just follow us, roll, Bama roll. Uh and I'm BT Bama twenty two. I mostly just tweet from the actual roll Bama Roll account though. So uh yeah, that's mostly it. I do a lot of recruiting coverage, NFL coverage this time of year. And it's mostly Alabama centric, so you guys probably don't care. But well, hey, if you if you got any Alabama fans up in Pittsburgh, uh check us out.
1: Yeah, it's also still like half the first round picks.
0: That
2: is true, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh brent thank you so much much appreciated
2: yeah thank you guys for having me on
0: awesome okay. Um, uh, so for everyone else uh, still t- tuning in here uh, we are going to move into the second half of our show uh just after a quick break so if you're listening on the audio side make sure to flip over to part two if you're with us on facebook or youtube just hang tight
4: anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect